prayer changes things. I know as Christians, we all know about prayer. We talk about prayer. We believe in prayer. But I still want to emphasize on the fact that ministry cannot be ministry if you don't learn how to pray and pray in a certain way. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I didn't have time. would have gone into speaking in tongues, but I'm sure another time will come. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known on to God. Be careful for nothing. What does the New Living Translation say? It says, be anxious for nothing. If that's the right uh, 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 translation I'm quoting. It says, be anxious for nothing. N- N- NLT, what does it say? Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. It means that the things in our lives and ministries we worry about, there is something that can change what you are worrying about. Should I say it again? Don't worry about anything. Do you have the HCSB? HCSB, what does it say? Don't worry about anything. And what else? What else do you have? BBE, Bible in Basic English. Have no cares. <laughs> Is it possible? <laughs> I have the care of completing my project here. It's a care. <laughs> I'm sure you also have a care. Any other, uh, any other version? Do not be anxious. This is the Tyndale. The living, is the living Bible, living version. Living Bible, I don't know. Do not be anxious about anything. I think it's a very, it's a very difficult thing to take with us. In ministry, there's a lot of challenges. There are a lot of issues a lot of hurdles, a lot of problems, and, and so many things that comes with ministry. Now, if I am going to follow what the Bible is saying, it means that I should not be anxious, I should not care, I should not worry, I should not be careful for anything. Why is the Bible telling us that? Because there is a tool that can take away the worry, that can take away the anxiety, that can take away the care, and that tool is what is recommended here. But in everything, by prayer that changes the situation, pray. Let your petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And so prayer is what changes a lot of things in ministry. If your church is not growing, you should pray. It will grow. If there's no finance in the church, you should pray. Finance will come. People will start giving. People will start bringing money as you begin to take offerings. If there's no important person in the church, pray. Important people will come to the church. If you don't have young people in the church, you should pray. Young people will come into the church. There is not a single problem in ministry that you have to worry about because prayer changes things. First thing in the scriptures that, that, that prayer changes is your countenance. Luke chapter 9. Prayer changes your face. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, prayer changes your face because your face shows what is in your heart. Your face shows your worry. Your face shows your troubles. 
your issues, your tribulations, your challenges. When um, Cain realized that his offering was not accepted by God, his countenance changed. It was a sign of something that was going on in his heart. You couldn't, you couldn't, you see, you could not ignore the change in countenance of Brother Cain. It signified or it symbolized something he was going through. He was not happy, he was jealous, he was envious of his brother who seemed to be moving forward. He was affected by that. And many of us are affected in ministry by the things we experience and we go through. And so prayer can change your countenance because you should not take people's countenance for granted. Oh, I've been taught by my father not to just ignore people's faces in the church. You have elders in the church. You know, normally we have the elders, the VIPs, they sit in the front row, isn't it? There's a VIP session. <laughs> <laughs> in our churches, we have the, you know, the deacons and the elders in the front row. You should watch their faces when you are preaching. Yeah. You'll be surprised to see that some of them don't smile. Their faces are straight. It means something. It means something. The Bible says that Amnon raped Absalom's sister Tamar. David's children, King David's children. And the Bible says that for two years, Ned, is it two years? Bible students. For two years, Absalom did not say anything to Amnon, good or bad. Now when somebody doesn't tell you anything for two years, then after two years, he organizes a party for the king's children. His siblings. And he sent an invitation letter to Amnon to come to the party. Now, if somebody does not speak to you for two years and invite you to a party, <laughs> will you go? You're licorice. <laughs> Amnon said, wow, this guy has not said anything to me in a long time. Maybe, he, you know, he, you know, he saw it. Let, let me just go. That was the end of his life. He killed him. He kept the rape of his sister in his heart for two years. Anytime he sees Amnon in the king's palace, he'll just watch him and pass. Amnon thought that it didn't mean anything. People's faces and countenances mean something. So sometimes in this public speaking and all these things that people specialize in. It's when you're talking to people, look them straight in the eye. Make eye contact. Make eye contact. If you can't make eye contact, it means you have some jumpy. Hmm? Yeah? I remember one day I was casting out the devil and then the, the young lady I was casting out the devil out of, she couldn't look in, me straight in the eye. I said, look at me in the eye. He said, no, 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 no. the fire is too much. Countenance 
It speaks of what you are burdened with. Why is the downcast over my soul? Why is that? That's what David said, isn't it? Why are you downcast, oh my soul? A prayer can take that dark cloud away from your life. In Luke chapter 9, verse 28, the Bible says, and it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. One of the things I miss is going to a mountain to pray. The mountains we have, we can't go there and pray. They are too far. It's too costly. In the days of Jesus, he used to pray in the mountains. If you study prayer, you must also have a mountain you go to and pray. You can't always be praying and praying around, praying in the church, praying in the house. Jesus had those opportunities, but he also took time out and went to the mountains. I remember when I came in as a, as a novice, you know, uh, ignorant man here in Guyana. I said, you know, from my background, we pray in gardens. So I'm going to the, uh, the botanical or zoology, botanical gardens. The one facing your road. I'm going there to pray. Man of God. I went there, drove my car there. As I went there, I see cars were parked. Some doors were open. I saw some cars were shaking. <laughs> I say, this movie you're speaking in tongues, man. <laughs> By the time I was, I tried to look for a spot, I couldn't find a spot. I realized that no, this is not a place to pray. <laughs> I tried the seawall. I said, let me go to the seawall. When I lift up my voice onto the hills, nobody will hear me because the waves will cover the sound of my voice. Oh! Is somebody sitting on somebody's lap? I said, man, this is not here to pray. <laughs> but Jesus had a place to go and pray in the mountains. And over the years, I've been encouraging my church members. I said, you know what? This is a place to come and pray. This is the middle of nowhere. And, and many of them do. They come. One day, one season, I sent us all my pastors to 12 hours of prayer. They come in here, and then I have a security guard here who take away their phones. If you report at 6, you are checking out at 6. You should come and see those who had withdrawal symptoms from their phones. They come here. I put them in the office building. They are there from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. Every day. One pastor every day. One pastor. We are coming back to that thing again. We'll do it. We'll do it several times in a year. I hear that's how Dr. Cho used to do it. Glory Light, are you listening? Pastor Shane is going to do that to you. You wait and see. <laughs> Dr. Yonggi Cho. He built this prayer garden. And anytime he sees that your, the home cell leaders, your home cell is not growing, he sends you to the prayer garden for one week, fasting and prayer. He said, you are not spiritual. Go and pray. Your church will grow. So it's also important to have a place where you go and pray. The Bible says that they went there and they prayed. And the Bible says, and as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. Prayer will make you, you see, instead of worrying why nobody is proposing to you, pray. 
It's rather your face that is really not making people attracted to you. Oh, you didn't hear that. <laughs> your face is so sour looking. Because you don't pray. And so, your, the countenance of your face has not been altered. <laughs> it needs alterations and taking in. <laughs> Adjustments. Fine-tuning. Prayer changes things. Be careful for nothing but it, everything by prayer. It will change that situation that you are in in ministry. I met a young lady uh, last trip to Ghana. Um, Aaron Floyd, myself, and uh, Prophet Elroy. We went to um, the, Makane, the Makane Church at Oibi, Bishop um, Dr. Ogo. And, um, you know, after the service, I had a very beautiful time. After the service, I was talking to a young lady, and she says, oh, they are going into a meeting. And she knows that the bishop is going to fire her. I said, why? She said, for the past couple of months, only about five people she's been able to bring to church. And she knows that today's meeting, she's going to be fired. (laughs) And her countenance had changed. Isn't it exciting to know that when you're going to a church meeting, you'll be fired by your pastor? (laughs) It's a serious business. Prayer can change countenance. Hallelujah. Number two, prayer changes or prayer brings dead things back to life. Prayer brings dead things back to life. Churches are dead. Some churches are dead. It's only prayer that can bring a revival. Prayer will bring life into any church. John chapter 11 verse 39. The Bible says, Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time, he stinketh. Any stinking situation in your life is about to change by prayer. By this time, he stinketh, for he had been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Through this prayer, Lazarus, who was dead for four days, came back to life. Prayer can bring any dead situation back to life. Now, your situation or your issue or your challenge that seemed to be like a mountain is not big and bigger or biggest than your effort in prayer. This guy Lazarus who died, if you look at it, he was sick and he died. He died for four days. Now, to bring Lazarus back from the dead 
You know the Bible says that when you die, your soul returns to God who gave it. And so to bring Lazarus back from the dead, it means that you have to tell God, God, lose the man. You have to be God's friend. You have to be somebody who God really believes and trusts and, and relies on you. To tell God to let a soul that has gone to be with him come back on earth. Change his plan for the appointment that is once upon every human being. You got to be very different. Like Abraham, who the Bible says God called Abraham his friend. God was able to change his mind from Sodom and Gomorrah in how he wanted to destroy the place. Abraham challenged God. And God took his advice and, and, and saved Lot and his family and the rest of history. So to bring Lazarus back to life, God, God had to allow the soul to live eternity back on earth. Now, when that happens, that's one. Number two, when somebody is dead for four days, from the little medical lesson that we learned from listening to Bishop Daggett Mills, we know that everything in the stomach decomposes, melts, and becomes like porridge. So you can't differentiate between the intestines, between the heart, the kidneys, the liver. You can't. You can't. They are all like pap. Or like porridge. So even though if God allows the spirit of Lazarus to come back, I'm trying to explain to you, no matter how difficult the situation is, prayer can change it. Because once God agrees with you to change that thing, it will be changed. It will be removed. It will disappear. It will be no more. It will not exist. You, you will even not remember that this was the situation. So the spirit comes back into Lazarus's life. Then everything has to reverse in his body. Blood has stopped flowing. So now with the spirit coming back, the heart now has to start beating. The blood has to start flowing. Intestines, liver, kidney, everything has to now go back. You know sometimes in, in movies or some videos on social media, people will go and then they say, they, they, you begin to reverse the video and then they go back like that. So the whole process that took Lazarus into the grave had to be reversed by this prayer. So the spirit comes back from God who now has control over it. It comes back into a body that is messed up. That the body now is re restored. Then as the body is restored, then the sickness and disease that was in his blood that killed him is there. That has to be healed. Then Lazarus was bound. So he had to come and be loosed. Even that dire situation was affected when Jesus prayed. I'm telling you that you can pray about any situation in your life, any situation in your ministry. It will change. Because prayer changes things. It brings dead things back to life. Number three, prayer changes the date that you leave this world. <laughs> now, the day you leave this world, prayer can change it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 that it is 
now it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this judgment. This is a very nice scripture for evangelism. Because when people die, they are not dead. They've actually, when people die, it means that that is the day the court judgment appointment is up. So they have to die and go and meet the judge. So when people die, when, when people are doing anything in life and they don't care, they don't, oh, I don't care, but there's no heaven, there's no hell, you will die from here and you appear in the next world to stand before the judge. You have a prosecutor and you have a defense lawyer. That's what happens in the, in the court. There's a judge who sits on his throne, there's a devil who's the accuser, and there's Jesus who's our advocate. So right in, the, in, in heaven's court, everybody appears, and then prosecution presents their case. The devil says, the Lord, this one is for me. That's my case against him. Then God will tell Jesus, do you have anything to say? Jesus said, my Lord, I have nothing to say. This guy didn't believe in me, so my blood doesn't take care of him. So, that's it. Then the judge say, guilty, hell, bye-bye. The devil takes you away. That's what happens there. So when you die from here, you are just absent here, but you are present somewhere else. And one day I understood it when a pastor was preaching and he explained it this way, that when babies get used to the womb, little do they know that there's another world somewhere that we drink pap, we drink porridge, that we eat kalaloo, we, we eat roti. As they're in the womb swimming and, and, and getting things from the umbilical cord, they think that is their world. They don't know that here there's something called KFC. If only they would come out from there and come, they also come and eat KFC. There's Burger King. There's Thai Express. And there's Campton. But as the baby is in the womb, the baby thinks that that is their world. They are so excited. They'll be kicking. They'll be kicking. They'll be breathing and doing all those marvelous things. Then nine months later, there's an appointment. He said, get out of this world. Get, get, get out. If you don't get out, we'll go to the hospital. We'll cut your mother's belly and bring you out by force. And the babies get so sad when they leave that world that they cry. When they bring out, they say, oh, God. I love the one that was inside. This place is hot. <laughs> if you were to tell the baby in the womb that there's another world out here, we go to school, we pay bills, the baby will tell you, me believe that. I don't believe that. Here we don't pay bills. Here we just sleep all the time. We just swim. We swim and we kick and we live. No, baby. You are going to pay taxes. There's a place you pay taxes. <laughs> baby said, no, daddy, I don't believe it at all. I have to see it to believe it. So don't worry. Nine months later, you see it. Nine months come, baby comes out. In the same way, as we are here, we don't believe that there's another world where people are in hell and some people are in heaven. But one day, 
When your appointment day comes, you live here and you appear there. You say, no, I like Guyana. Can I go back? Father Abraham will say, you can't go back. When the rich man said, please, can you send Lazarus? He said, no, 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 no. Yeah, when you come, the train goes forward all the time. It doesn't go back. Hallelujah. If your day of death comes, you can't change it. It's an appointment. But prayer can change that. I mean, it's not very common, but prayer changes that. <laughs> Hallelujah. It happened in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 32. Elisha brought a boy back to life. This is a very interesting story. And when Elisha, verse 32 of 2 Kings chapter 4, and when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them two or twain and prayed unto the Lord and he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands and he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Because when you die, you get cold, isn't it? Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times. Eats it! Eats it! Eats it! Seven times. And the child opened his eyes. Man. The appointment that everybody has. This boy had his appointment. Elisha came on the scene and by prayer, the appointment was changed. Now, one of the interesting things about this, this scripture is how um, one day some Ubia church man used to use this verse on the women in the church. When the women, these Ubia people are women, you know women and problems. Women have a lot of problems than men. So the woman, they will go to church. They say, you know what? I need a child. I need a baby. I need a husband. All of that. And so the Obiama will say, come. There's a, there's a room behind the stage. Then he go and he tell you to, to lie down. And then he will explain it to them that, you know what? You know when the, the child died in the book of Second Kings? Elijah put his mouth to the child's mouth. Eyes to eyes. And he stretched himself on the boy. So I have to put my mouth to your mouth. Eyes to your eyes. And stretch myself on you. And God will do miracles in your life. <laughs> That's how they used to deal with the woman. Before I realized, he's putting his pants on and putting his things in the right direction. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Elijah laid on the boy. What does he say? He sound like what does he say? He put, he went up and lay upon the child. So a woman who wants a child comes to see this Obia man pastor and he puts her down and he also lies upon her. Why not? Elisha did it. <laughs> yeah. And he puts his mouth upon his mouth. There are some things in the Bible you can't do them all. It's only those who did it who were able to do it. <laughs> And his eyes upon his eyes. And his hands upon his hands. 
and he stretched himself on the child. And the flesh of the child waxed warm. When David was about to die, and they brought a young girl into his bed, they felt David was getting cold and cold. So they brought a young girl to come and generate some heat in his body. It didn't work. But he said, Elijah's power and anointing brought life into this child. But it was by prayer. That something, a date was changed. So prayer changes the date that you leave the world. Number four. Is it number four? Okay, number four. Prayer changes the number of years that you live. So three is prayer changes the date you leave this world. And number four, prayer changes the number of years that you live. We know that very well in the days of King Hezekiah. In Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1 to 6. Bible said, in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed. Do you believe in prayer? Prayer changes things. If you can't fill a bus, pray, you fill a bus. If your home cell is not working, pray, it will work. If your satellite church is not working, pray, it will work. There's nothing that prayer cannot change. The Bible says he prayed unto the Lord, verse 3, and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart. And I've done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. It's like, I'll give you $50,000. So easy. The guy was going to die, and God changed it by 15 years. May you live long as you pray. In the name of Jesus. Number five, finally. Prayer changes threatening situations. Prayer changes threatening situations. Hezekiah was threatened by the king of Assyria, Rasheke. The agent of the king of Assyria, he came with threatening message to Hezekiah. The Bible says Hezekiah prayed. And in verse 41 of Isaiah, the prophet chapter, 10, chapter 41 verse 10, Hezekiah prayed. This is what the Lord told him. Prayer changes threatening situations. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. 
Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. <laughs> Prayer, it affects any threatening situations. They shall be as nothing. And they that strive with thee, they shall perish. This comes by prayer. I remember I had a, I had a very nice job to me. I went to Europe in 1990 at the age of 21. I went to school and then I, I did some, I worked. And um, living in Holland in a foreign language other than an English, non-English speaking country, it, it wasn't easy to get a good job. All the good jobs are for those who can speak fluent Dutch, read and write in Dutch. And I wasn't fluent in Dutch. I was trying. So most of the jobs that I would get was cleaning, janitorial services. And I cleaned for about five, six years of my life in that country. Cleaning toilets, cleaning offices, cleaning trains, cleaning hotels. One day I got a job to clean toilets. The, only, the job was just to clean toilets. There was an office building, 18 floors. It was a two-hour job early in the morning, 5.30 to 7.30 in the morning. And I cleaned toilets from 18th floor to the ground floor. Ladies, there's an elevator in the middle of the building. Ladies on the left, gents on the right. So when I come out of the elevator, I go to the left, about six toilets. I clean them, I come out, I go to the gents, six toilets. 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, ground zero. Every day, Monday to Friday, 5.30 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. Sometimes some people come to the office early and I don't know why they come to the office and they go and do number two when I'm cleaning there. When I go to the 16th floor, I don't want to come back to the 17th floor. But as you are working in the 17th floor, a white man who probably drank a porridge or whatever comes there and sprays the whole bowl like he's doing painting. Or travel Texan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Then he gets up, he doesn't even flash and he leaves. And I, I don't want to go to 15th floor and come back to the 17th floor because when I, my boss comes, he can easily say that they didn't do my work. And, and I can't afford to be fired. Two hours, it was too precious. So I have to hang around. Once they come out, I go in. Sometimes you have to hold your nose so you can do your job well and get out of the place. About five, six years was cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. One day the Lord blessed me. I got a job to sit in the office. You could not, you cannot imagine how happy I was from cleaning toilets to going to sit in the office. You see, sitting in the office, friends, it may not be anything, maybe here, but if you go to a system where People don't get the chance. If you are not a white Dutch or Surinamese who has lived there, has a command of the Dutch, you can't sit in the office because you behind in Netherlands. 
So I got an English-speaking job. I had an office. Oh, Jesus. I used to love the office. When I go, I sit in a chair in front of my desk, and I, I'll, 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 you know, I move around in my chair like that. Feel nice. And I see some black people, just like me, they'll come and clean my table, clean my telephone, and I'll feel very nice. I said, I was there before. From there, my boss, that, when I got that job, my boss, the one who employed me, moved after a year to a new American company that was coming to town to start. So when she went over, she invited me to come and leave the job and come and help her in that company. So I, I joined her. When I left that job, my salary doubled. So I went to this new company. We built a company from scratch to 100 employees. Four or five years later, I was fired, and that's why I came to Guyana. They fired me. God said, you, you like this place? Go away. I want to fire you, so you go. <laughs> but in the course of rising in that company, I encountered an Austrian, an Austrian guy. It's a guy, my, my boss, he was called Farid. He's an, I think he's, he's a Muslim guy. And he, he, was an, he was Austrian. So he used to manage us from Vienna, Austria. And sometimes you come to Amsterdam and come and be in the office for weeks. Then when he comes, because I'm a Christian and I don't go out and drink with them, he go out and drink with the people that I manage. There was a very strong, choleric girl in my team, Johanna Goransson from Sweden. He used to really line with this, my manager. Smokes, drinks. So when my manager comes around, they go out. I mean, I am in a church preaching. I am somewhere visiting. And they are in a, a beer garden drinking and talking about me and planning to remove me. So one day my boss called me and said, you know what? He feels that my, the, 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 the department is too big for me. He wants to slash it into two and give Johanna Goranson half and I take half. And I realized that the king of Assyria has risen against me. I was employed here as a manager, not a manager of a half group of people. So I said, I, I don't understand. I don't agree. The guy says, you know, that's what he wants to do. I'm sure as he went out smoking and drinking, then he, be, he began to like her and wants to promote her. I went on my knees. I'm telling you. I prayed. I prayed. I was the only black man in management. So you can imagine, threatening situations. I mean, after toilet and toilet and toilet and cleaning and cleaning, God has raised me up and lifted me up. Now somebody has come from another country. He wants to remove me and give part of my kingdom to another person. Like I'm Pharaoh who somebody has interpreted a dream to. I want to give them half of my kingdom. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. That my boss was fired. He was fired. He was removed. And Johanna Goranson became quiet and cool like a bed that water has been poured on him. Threatening situations can change my prayer. I got a very nice boss after that. He was Peter Hauserman from Basel, Switzerland. Nice guy. Everything with Peter was okay. Like Calvin. No problem. No problem. No problem. He's the a, he's a first manager and the, the, the manager who took me for the first time in my life to the Swiss Alps. I'm sure you know Swiss Alps. 
In Switzerland, there are mountains. High, high, high mountains. And on top of them, on top of them, you have snow. Snow. And there's a whole section of mountains. Between Switzerland and Germany, you have that. And they go up there very high. And they do skiing. And right there in the rocks and the mountains, they have hotels. They have restaurants. I mean, you go so high. You have this cable car, that, this thing that runs on a, on a wire from a high point to a low point. You have all those attractions there. First time in my life, this is my new boss who replaced the Assyrian king. He took me there. We want to, we want to do skiing. Yeah. It's not easy. Black man skiing. When you put the, the skating board on your foot, you take one, two, then you fall down. Then you see a five-year-old boy. You look at it and say, hey. it's the art of ministry. <laughs> they go there at the age of one, two, three. By the time they are five, six, oh, Jesus. They go on the snow like that. Never been on snow before. Black man from Africa is bush and forest. You, know. you go there, you put there. Even the boots you wear, it has something underneath. That's what you put on the skating board and then it clicks. You put this on and it clicks. You have the skateboard like that. One, two. Now you have to now try and use it. Something like a, a rod and then push yourself on the snow. Oh, you fall down ten times. Your enemies will not laugh at you. <laughs> but the beauty of the thing is that before I got there, my position was threatened. At prayer, change. I don't know who had to make the decision, but the Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. And as a course of the sea, of the river, he changes wherever he wishes. Whoever was in charge found a reason to remove this guy who was threatening my long-awaited breakthrough. I got a nice boss who would take me to the Swiss Alps. Black man for the first time. Oh, the food was nice. Then when it was Sunday, he was driving a big vehicle because he was a CEO. I asked him that, I want to go to church because we have a church in Basel. Because Sunday morning, white man is sleeping. I said, Peter, can I t- take your car? I want to go to church. And I said, oh, yeah, sure. Jump into this big CEO vehicle. I drove it in Basel of Germany. Went to church. When I, appeared, I approached, when I got to the church, some big man has come. Nice treatment. It was that, that job that, when he changed, then I got a German Nazi man out of Hitler's grandson. <laughs> He fired me. <laughs> now prayer couldn't change it. <laughs> God said, you are going to Guyana. You can't stay here. You are going to Guyana. Stop that thing. It didn't work. I found myself here. Ladies and gentlemen, stand to your feet. God bless you. <laughs> wow. We made it. The Art of Ministry Conference. So I want to begin to pray, begin to speak in tongues. Thank God for all the deposits, the seeds, the impartations. 
the revelations, the understanding, the wisdom, the knowledge, all the things that these three days God has used little things, big things, different things to impress on your heart and impress on your mind. Pray and give Him glory. Lift up your voice and speak in tongues. He has been good to us. We are going back to our churches different. Father, thank you. You've been good to us. You have spoken to us. You have worked in us. Our eyes are red because we have tarried at the wine. You have shifted some things in our lives, in our eyes, in our minds. And we are going back practically to affect our churches and our ministries. We are not the same as we first entered into this place. Thank you for the art of ministry conference 2024. Thank you for what you have done with even the conference. You have done with and by the conference. The lives you have touched, the eyes you have opened, the understanding you have brought, the revelation, the insight and the foresight of God to you alone be the glory, the praise and the honor. Thank you for everyone who participated. Every time spent here, every offering given, every foot that entered into this, this compound, this place that you have chosen to put your name. Oh Lord, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. The blessings that overflow. Follow them. Anointing that makes a difference. Fall upon their lives. Anointing that breaks yokes. Change their lives and ministry. Anointing that extends and expands and enlarges. Let that anointing go with them. May the presence of the Lord go with you. The angels of God dwell with you. May they minister to you every day of your life in ministry. May you indeed be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Thank you, Jesus. You will bring forth your fruit in this season. Your life and ministry is never the same again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody said Amen. For booking and more information on the ministry of Victor Collins, please call us on 592-691-5301 or email us at shepherdhousegy at gmail.com. God richly bless you.